got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! And we are back for another exciting episode of On the Line in College Basketball Podcast. March is in full swing. We have 12 teams that have punched their ticket into March already, Ben. And it's not even March 10th. So a lot of great action today. We're going to discuss that. But we're really going to discuss these 12 teams. What seed you'll probably see them as. Should you take them? Keep players to watch for. And then we're also going to discuss... Um, you know, conferences, especially the big conferences, they're not good at math. We know this. There's 12 teams in the Big Ten. The Big 12 is going to have like 10 teams after Oklahoma and Texas leave. We've we've long established that these power conferences, they struggle with math. Math's hard. And by golly, they did it again. They really struggled with math this time. The SEC has nine players on the on the all conference team, and the Pac twelve has ten conference players on there. All, all Casey, remind team. me again how many players are on a basketball court? Uh, well, there's there's ten there's ten total, but uh, five on, on each, each team. team. Five yeah. on each team. Yes, that's what uh, I thought. So, so there there's a lot of discretion, Ben, on you know who's got the best first team. To me, I just don't understand how you can beat this Pac twelve team. If they have 10 players on the court and you only have five. Yeah. Seems like a seem big advantage. <laughs> yeah. Slight, slight advantage there to the Pac-12. I will so, say respect to the respect to the Big Ten for just putting five players in their first team. I, yeah, I respect them for doing that. I, I, I don't know what the advantage is or why this trend started, to be honest. What we what what is going on here? It just started, I think, you know, the last three or four years where they started doing this, and it seems to increase in players every year. Well, I just think it's funny how you and I we were we were really discussing the all SEC team throughout the year. You you kind of went back and forth saying why can't Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, and Oscar Schwebway make it? I said because Tari Easton has to make it. We were going back and forth on the guard play. Is it going to be Vescovy? Is it going to be Ty Ty Washington? Is it going to be Kennedy Chandler? Is it going to be 
uh, JD Note. Note. There were so many guys who who we thought, oh, oh, maybe maybe he can make the all, all SEC team. Well, Greg Sankey in the in the SEC powers that be, they said, why not? Why not everyone make it? We we want everyone to make it. And so everyone has made the all SEC team. I got third team. Ben was an honorable mention in all SEC newcomer of the year. It was I really heard Parker great. Edwards got a shell. Parker Edwards did get Parker Edwards was walk on in the year. So you know, St. Paul's was well represented there as always. But let's get let's get into it, Ben. We'll discuss the first the first conference tournament we're going to discuss is the Atlantic Sun because the Atlantic Sun fucked up. Uh, I don't I don't know how else to say it. The Atlantic Sun messed up. They they done goofed. This Bellarmine rule, it's it's stupid. It's not even the Atlantic Sun's fault. I should say it's it's really the NCA's fault. Yeah, Bellarmine has to process. NCAA's. Bellarmine has to process for four years since they've just come in. So after winning the Atlantic Sun, not only does Jacksonville, the team that they beat in the conference championship, not only do they not get it, it goes to Jacksonville State, who is the who is the conference regular season winner. So Jacksonville State will be representing the Atlantic Sun. You love this Jacksonville State team. I, I wish we could have seen Liberty and, and Darius McGee, but this this Jacksonville State team is pretty special too. So what seed do you currently have them on on your bracketology? Um, I want to say it's a 14. Let me look at that real quick. But, I mean, we just have to acknowledge that, I mean, at least at the very least, Jacksonville should be here. I mean, they went into their own arena and beat Jacksonville State. And, uh, you know, you feel bad for Bellarmine, but the kind of rules are the rules kind of thing. Uh, you know, I was kind of looking for some explanation on why you have to do the four-year thing. And, and my dad was actually saying while he was at Louisiana Tech, they were transitioning to Division One in football. And some of the big things were like the arena or the stadium requirements. You know, you had to be at a certain capacity to be declared D1 school. Well, that's obviously not the case for Bellarmine. They play in a huge arena. So I'm not sure what the exact parameters are for them to to process into D1, or is it just a just you have to wait four years, no matter what type of thing. Uh, I do have Jacksonville State as a 15. Their net rating was well, much lower than I actually thought it was going to be. So the, I think at the very highest, they're going to be a 14, but they're probably going to be a 15. And, um, you know, depending on the matchup, they can really make some teams work. I think maybe a team like Duke or Villanova, if they play them, they can really, really make them work with their physicality and toughness on both ends of the floors. You know, if they play a team with a lot of size and a lot of physicality that can match up with them in intensity, like a Kentucky or something like that, I don't think it's going to go very well for them. And they have had their problems this year with scoring the basketball. So a very high scoring team might also create trouble for them. But, um, you know, the right matchup, they can, they bring a lot of intensity. They bring a lot of toughness, physicality, big bodies to the floor. So definitely an interesting team to keep your eye on. I, I just think they're going to be too low of a seed and face too superior of a team to really make any noise. I agree. Unless they get a 14 seed dryer early, I, I think they're probably going to be a 15 seed and get drummed. On to a team that's probably going to have a little bit more favorable of a draw here. The SoCon champions, the Chattanooga Mocs, who won on a crazy buzzer beater to beat Furman in a f- absolute thriller in the SoCon championship, 64-63 in OT. This team's led by Malachi Smith and Silvio De Souza. 
as well as David Jean Baptiste, who hit the game winner. Ben, what do you currently have the mocks as? I'll have them as a 13 seed. Their net is inside of 100. I believe it was in the 80s, I think. It's a pretty decent net for a mid-major team. I think they should, at the very least, be getting a 13 seed. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. And, uh, you know, they can kind of play a lot of different ways whenever you've seen them watch this year. They've played a lot of defensive grinded out games. They've also played a lot of high-scoring games. You know, the conference championship was kind of both. It was kind of a tale of two halves, and they kind of had to transition in the middle of that game to start scoring a lot at the end to keep pace. But um, a team that can get hot shooting the ball, definitely. Uh, a well-coached team. So, you know, they have a lot of athleticism to match up with with some big um, some big teams. You know, I have a matchup with Arkansas right now. I don't think that's a terrible matchup for them. I think they can match their athleticism across the board and uh i think they can do some work as a 13 seed i agree i'd also have them as a 13 seed maybe maybe they could be a 12 i I don't see it i I think they're probably gonna be on that 13 line and the big thing for me is they have two guys guards who can really score in malachi smith as well as david gene baptiste but the other element of them is is Sylvia de Souza, who's really not going to be scared on the interior against these bigger teams. You know, guy who played at Kansas, highly tatted recruit. Obviously, he left because of the whole chair incident. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just type in Kansas chair and it'll come up, I promise you. But the mocks have proven capable of, of playing against anyone in the country. You know, huge non cons against against Murray State as well as Belmont. Yeah. So I I really like this team. Um and I I'd probably consider betting them or taking them in your bracket depending on the matchup. This is definitely a team you're gonna want to watch the Chattanooga Mox. Going to the Sun Belt where you and I both went into it saying this is Texas State's to lose and well they lost it. So very early. Yeah, very, very early. Georgia State edged out ULL in the title game to claim the Sun Belt. I have Georgia State right now as a as a fourteen, maybe even a fifteen. What say you? Their their net rating is extremely low, so I think I, I think you may be right. I think they may be higher than their net rating based solely on coming out of the Sun Belt, which is usually a pretty highly regarded mid major conference. But the problem is, it's just not that good this year. So, you know. Do they get a higher seed just based on that? Just the prestige, you know, of their conference. Their net is one fifty nine. That's that's not great when compared to some of these other conference champions. So I think they're going to be kind of forward of the pegging order whenever it comes all down to it. But you know, they already moved up one spot on my board because I own his loss tonight, and whoever wins that conference is going to be really really low. So. You never know. I mean, we still have a lot of conference championships to go and a lot of th- crazy things are going to happen. So I think they're sitting okay. I I have them at a 16 on my bracket, but that's, no with, way. All, that's with all chalk uh, happening in these conference tournaments. Their net rating is just absurdly low. It's one of the lowest out of the conference champions that has won so far. I'd say they're going to be a 14 seed just off of the sheer fact that 
the lower seeds are going to get filled up. You know, while I think Bryant's good, and I would love to see them as a 15 seed, their net's pretty horrible, and the, and the reputation of the NEC is pretty horrible as well. So they'll probably end up being a 16 seed. Bryant has a net rating of 202, right. which is and then, kind of crazy because then you watch them. There's no way they're the 200th best team in the country. I mean, there's just no chance. But the NEC, I think, is just very bad, and they're not NEC's getting terrible. They're not getting any credits for their big wins. They only played, they played all their quad one and quad two games at a conference. They went zero and one at zero and three, and they had an incredible ranking in conference. And they went eighteen and three in quad four. So almost every single one of those games in conference yeah. was a quad four game. So they're not getting a lot of credit for those wins. Right, and going to a a low major conference where you kind of had a bid stealer here because Murray State was going to qualify for the tournament as an at-large team, but they end up winning the OVC outright. They're 29-2, and two, and they're an absolute buzzsaw. I, I, I say they're going to be a seven seed, which I know is pretty lofty. I think you probably have them on the eight or nine line. To me, this Murray State team is very special. I, I get it, you know, when, when they had John Moran, everyone was a lot more invested. They just have more options now than when they than the John Moran teams. So I would definitely be looking at Murray State to go on a Cinderella-like run here. No, I actually have them as a seven seed as well. You know, when I was just looking at the teams that I have behind them, the Seton Halls, the Michigan States, the Marquettes, the TCUs, the San Francisco's, the Creightons, there's just a lot of bad losses on their schedules that I think – going to keep them from being what I'm saying is 29-2 is an incredibly impressive record and just the sheer amount of wins they've racked up this season is really hard to ignore and then one of their losses is to who's going to be a one or a two seed so basically 29 they're actually they're actually 30 and two so 30 and two so basically 30 and one I mean if if they played Auburn they played them really well and I think they'll get actually more credit for that than they're are for an actual loss. So I, I think I think they'll be off the 8-9 line. I think they'll get to a 7. Yeah, r- rightfully so. Well, moving down to the Big South, we have Longwood emerging as champions, going, going dancing for the first time in program history. Congratulations to the Lancers. I, I think they probably end up as a 15 seed. And to be honest with you, I would not be surprised at all if they maybe not pull off the upset, but maybe maybe cover, maybe cover our first half. They are extremely dangerous, and they will make you pay from the outside, which three-point shooting is the great equalizer, especially come March. I actually have them as a 14 seed. Their, their net rating surprised me. It's 121, which is higher than I thought it was going to be for a team from the Big South. But, um, yeah, they only played one quad one game this year, no quad two games. Went four and three, quad three. But um, yeah, 121 as their net rating is pretty good when I looked at all the other mid-major champions. So I think they might get to the 14. Like I have them on a bracket. I mean, lots of chalk, obviously. So no lower than a 15. I don't I don't think any chance they're going to get to be a 16. Yeah, they've definitely earned the right to be a 15 or a 14. And like like I said, depending on the matchup, they could they could easily pull off an upset here. To the MVC, the Missouri Valley, Arch Madness, Loyola Chicago. A lot of people said they're on the bubble. 
those people are not me and they're not you. They're Joe Lenardi, who doesn't know what he's talking about. But Lola Chicago and Sister Jean shut him up, winning the tournament and clinching that automatic qualifier. I have them as a nine seed, maybe an eight seed. What say you? I actually have them as an 11. Uh, wow. I know they rolled off those last three games, but still, whenever you look at their resume, it's not too convincing. I mean, it obviously doesn't matter because they're going to be in it. The lowest they can be is a 12. Their net rating is awfully high, but they only have two quadrant one wins. And that was the only reason I kept them down that low. They went two and two in quad one. But man, they couldn't have they couldn't have rattled off three more dominant wins in that uh, conference tournament. They played incredible all three games. I could tell the very first game they came out against Illinois State that they were determined and they were ready to get this thing done. They came out with a fire on both ends of the floor. Their stars showed up. Williamson played really well. Norris played really well uh, the whole weekend from beginning to end. You know they had a lot of trouble with Northern Iowa in their last meeting, but they just put their foot on their throat, really ratcheted up the defensive intensity and very good showing in Arch Madness in St. Louis. Yeah, well, on to a low major, mid-major conference where their champion's definitely going to be a single-digit seed and probably a one seed at that. The Gonzaga Bulldogs did what they pretty much always do, running through the WCC tournament. Not a whole lot to say here. Uh, obviously you're going to know who Gonzaga is and definitely play some wagers on Gonzaga come, come the tournament. I mean, they're, they're going to be a favorite to make it to the final four, maybe even win it all. So they're going to be the number one overall seed. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, Even if Auburn or Kentucky or Baylor or Kansas run through the conference tournament, I think they're still going to end up being the number one overall seed. I think the more, more of what I took out of that conference tournament was I was impressed again by the way San Francisco and St. Mary's played Gonzaga, especially, uh, you know, a lot of people know about St. Mary's in and out every year. The Dons were not scared yet again, and they weren't scared the last time they played them. They they really took them into the last media timeout with the game still in, in the balance, and uh, they had some really good players step up. I, I think the Dons are going to be a force to reckon with. I think they'll be around the 8-9-10 line, and that uh, – yeah, you know, they can create some havoc. They have some great players on that team. St. Mary's, I mean, Tommy Cool and company, they're just really good at basketball. Man, Logan Wilson's an incredible point guard. He played his he played his butt off in that Gonzaga game. He he had everything that Gonzaga could handle. It was less than 10 point game. I mean, the entire game pretty much. They blew it out in certain points, but then they would get it back. St. Mary's is a very, very, very good basketball team. And uh, I have them as a four seed. I think the more you look at their resume, that it's it's pretty astounding. And the way they've been playing basketball lately, I mean, you may not be impressed by some of their wins against, you know, Santa Clara or something, but those that's a really good basketball team they're playing. They're five and seven in quad one and haven't lost a game in any of their quads. That's an impeccable resume at 24 and seven in the WCC. And then, you know, two of those losses are Gonzaga. So uh, the more I looked at the resume, I, I don't know how they're going to be any lower than a five seed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with your assessment on uh, the others of the WCC. Moving to a conference championship game that kicked off tonight and ultimately Colgate Raiders won it, uh, taking the Patriot League 
the second year in a row beating Navy. Uh, I think they beat Navy by 16. Navy made a run at the end to cut it all the way to six, but ultimately Colgate was a little too much. Colgate, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Everyone on their team can score and everyone on their team can shoot. A lot of guys, you know, at, at almost at that 40% clip with, with high volume. So definitely impressive. Love, love the big man inside, Jeff Woodward. And Nellie Cummings is a hell of a player at point guard. So I, I love this Colgate team. In other years where we're a little bit stronger, I'd say they're probably a 15. Their record really isn't that great this year, only 22, 23 and 11. They also started horrible and were getting kind of abused in the non con uh, and really not by great teams. God, got they did beat Syracuse. Blown out kind of, yeah, they beat Syracuse, but kind of got blown out by Monmouth. Lost, lost by double digits to Vermont. Lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Harvard, lost to Niagara, lost to Northeastern, lost to Cornell, lost to North Carolina State. And yeah, I mean, they were kind of in all these games, but still to start four and 10, they they have definitely rallied. Um, I think they're going to get the veteran treatment just because it's their second year in a row and they'll be a 14 seed due to the due to the lack of chalk in uh, some of the other conferences. Yeah, and I think all the reasons you're talking about the early uh, struggles is why their net is 132 currently. They have three quadrant forward losses, which is just holding them back a little bit. And uh, I have them as a 15 just based on their net rating. Um, you know, they can obviously move up with some upsets going on, but the teams ahead of them, like UC Irvine and Longwood and New Mexico State and uh, Princeton all have pretty substantial differences in their net currently so i mean we 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 saw them play last year they really make they really made arkansas work for that first round game last yeah, year i mean they, they took them in the half time they were leading for most of the first half arkansas came right back at the end of the first half took a lead played them hard probably for five six seven more minutes in that second half until arkansas was finally to pull able to pull away with some of their dynamic guard play but um you know the right matchup for this team a team who who isn't defensively sound, who who doesn't follow passes, who doesn't close out on the three ball, they can definitely do some things in the tournament. Going to the Colonial, where this team, the Delaware Blue Hens, they'll definitely make you feel old because they're led by Jameer Nelson Jr. Yes, that's Jameer Nelson Jr. Great season for the Blue Hens, fifth seed in the Colonial and they really just had a never-say-die attitude, upsetting number one seed in Towson, and then going ahead and, and beating UNC Wilmington in the championship game. Really excited for this for this team and, and this program. So I love them, but I don't see them being any higher than a, a 14 seed. They're probably going to be a 15 seed, and I, I don't know if I'd really touch them against anyone, even on a spread. Yeah, I have them as a 15 seed. Their net is 136. Only one quad four loss, though, so so maybe that looks fun upon. They did get a quad two win earlier in the season. Um, yeah, I mean, when you think about Delaware, you have to think about Jameer Nelson Jr. He's been their best player. He can really score the basketball. He's a very good ball handler. I'm just not sure that they have the combination of height and athleticism it really takes for an upset. I, it just feels like a team would have to play really badly to lose to Delaware. Agreed. Well, what about Bryant? 
you know, led by the number one score in the country. Are they just going to be a dangerous 16? Do we see them maybe being a 15 seed? I lean more on the just a dangerous 16 seed where maybe they're up like 13-4 at 13-6 at one point. And everyone's like, oh, hold up, hold up. Who's this white kid hitting all these threes? And it's just Peter Kiss. So Peter, yeah. Peter Kiss has been doing like neck slash celebrations at the first media timeout <laughs> when they're up when when they're up when they're up 13 to 5 on uh on whoever on Arizona or something, and then they'll get crushed eventually. Um yeah. Grosso I mean, even even that game his... the other night in the conference title game, once they came out so hot, they really kind of trickled down the I mean they didn't keep it up the whole time and that's kind of been their MO is they do have flashes of brilliance on offense and they they kind of struggled to keep it up for an entire game. Uh it's, it's a lot of brazen attitudes out there on that Bryant team. You you, you love to see it. I mean you love to see it out of a mid-major team like that having all the cockiness in the world. Peter Kiss is definitely gonna be a I gotta watch. I mean even if they lose by you know they get beat 95 to 65 by Arizona. Peter Kiss could still go for 32 and just yeah. be electric. Charles, Charles Pride will probably have 24. Charles Pride's awesome, yeah. Well, a mid-major team here from the Summit League that I think is going to do something, and they're going to be the most popular 12 pick in your bracket, and that's the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. This team is unbelievable from the three-point line. Uh, are they still number one in the country? I believe so. Let me double check. But I want to say they're number one in the country, but they're led by Douglas Wilson on the inside, who doesn't even really shoot threes. 30 and four overall, absolutely ran through the Summit League. They're going to be a 12 seed in my eyes. And the rest of this team, Noah Friedel, Luca, Luca Pell, and then Bailey Shermer, Sherman, who, who shoots 46% from three. So they just have snipers from all over the court. Charles Easley off the bench is shooting 50% on 91 attempts for the year. So they're they're a really special team. And and when you shoot 44.2% as a team, which leads the country from three, you're you're in contention to beat anyone. Yeah, actually have them as a 13 for the moment, just because North Texas and Vermont are both ahead of them in the net. And uh I think a lot of the reason for Vermont is just the way that they've been beating teams. And it, it really doesn't matter who's on the court whenever you're showing that kind of offensive efficiency that Vermont's been showing. And I know that efficiency goes into the net rating. I think it's why they've been jumping up. They're at 60 right now, I believe, and South Dakota's at 64. Again, I might be reading too much into this about how much that matters with these mid-major seeds. It may be more about conference. It may be more about other things. If it's more about conference, then obviously South Dakota State would be higher. But uh, I think it's more about conference, personally. Yeah, it might be. But, um, yeah, either way, they're going to be dangerous. It doesn't matter what seed they are. They're going to be dangerous. Uh, I guess, well, I guess what kind of team would create problems for them, Casey? To me, a team that will create problems for South Dakota State is just really an overly athletic team on the defensive end. Maybe not even like a, a Purdue, but somebody like, like a Kentucky. Yeah, on, honestly, like more of like your LSUs. Um, I, I could see Texas them if Techs. they. Yeah. Oh God! If they had to play Texas Tech, that would not be good. That would not be good for them at all. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think a, a UConn, just a, just a very 
physical, defensive-minded basketball team with a lot of athletes to throw at you. I think they would struggle against a team who's really good at rotations and closeouts. Like, yeah, they would. They teams. would not like that. Um, no, they would. Although LSU is not good at closeouts, but I don't know if South. Dakota I don't know if they get a shot off. Where do they get? Exactly. Separation? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing. Uh, moving on to a team that will probably not be creating a lot of separation come this March. That's the right state. Uh, God, I can't remember their name. Uh, I want to say it's the Raiders, but I'm not sure. It's not. It's not. It's they, something. It's, I don't. I don't think they're going to create much noise. I have them in the first four as of now. Their net rating is 193. They are the Raiders, by the way. Yeah, I told you. Their their net rating is 193, so they're almost certainly going to be in the first four with Bryant and whoever wins the swag. And probably whoever wins the uh, the Miak is Mi- Norfolk, right? Yeah, yeah. So those yeah. four teams will probably make up the first four, unless an absolutely abysmal team wins one of these other conferences. What about the Southland? You don't think the Southland's going to be a sixteen? Um, let's see. So, I mean, nor if if it's New Orleans, it's going to be them because theirs is terrible as well. If it's Nichols, Nichols is two is like two hundred. Nichols is one eighty nine. So that's higher than than Wright State. On um, on Ken Palm, the lowest the lowest uh, conferences are SWAC, Southland, NEC, and MEAC. Yeah, but like someone like Nichols have played four quad one games this year. Like I don't think Wright State's. Pl- I mean, Wright State has played one quad one game and no quad two games. Like I th- I think some of these Southland teams kind of got out there and played some played some yeah, teams. No, definitely. I mean Nichols. Nichols won and played Baylor, and they went and played uh, TCU. Granted, they didn't win any of those games, no. but they still played them. They do have a. Um, they also they do have a quad. To, they, they do have a quad two win on their record. They, they only lost to Wisconsin by three, which is yeah. They played hilarious. really, really well. I remember that game. They actually played extremely well. Um, yeah. and they were so, up big. I think around halftime. Nichols right, well, is a good team. I, I know we kind of talked about how. UNO was kind of our betting darling for this tournament, but Nichols, I think when it comes down to it, I think Nichols would probably create more trouble for a big, uh, big seed, especially because they have the most experience. I mean, we just talked about all those teams they played. So, uh, and they hung with most of them. The Baylor, they didn't really hung with. They hung with TCU and they almost beat Wisconsin. So they also played Northern Iowa. They beat Northern Iowa. That's their quad two win. So, um, yeah, I think the Southland might escape the uh, the first four. I would like to see it. I, I don't. I don't want to see you uh, and or, or Nichols fighting for their season in the first four. I'd, I'd like to see them get a chance to. It's to... I, uh, John Rothstein talks about this all the time. It's ridiculous that we make the sixteen seeds. I think it's so game. stupid. I think it's so dumb. They should automatically be in the tournament. Make all these terrible. Make if Xavier somehow makes it. Make them play. I mean, make all these other big teams that have had plenty of opportunities throughout the year that did not win their conference title game. Make them play in these in these play-in games. It's it's ridiculous. I I completely echo that. I, I don't think we should be making the well, teams on the other that hand won the conference tournaments make play in the play-in games either. On the other hand, I'm saying that, but on you know my other mind thinks that they actually enjoy that because they get to play in. Yeah, like they actually get to play it in competitive game. You know, most of the time, sixteen seeds are getting just trounced. So maybe they like Except that. For that one. 
Yeah, except for that Paul, one. Peter Kiss is going to score like 45 in, in a play-in game, and everyone's be like, who the hell is this kid? And then he's going to come yeah, out. Yeah, I, I actually like that Bryant's in the play-in game because he's going to get go off. On, yeah, he uh, definitely is. On UNO or on Norfolk or somebody. Oh, God. And he's going to let everyone know about it. No, he definitely will. Well, speaking of uh, players that are that have gone off this season and uh, gone off in such a manner that conferences felt the urge to just put everyone and their mother in on the all first teams. So Ben and I are going to actually decide who is mostly deserving of these all first teams where we have nine, ten players on a first team because that makes mathematical sense. So let's go ahead and we'll start with the Pac-12. We'll start with the Pac-12 first. Okay, so, so who were, who did they name? Who are the 10 players that they named? They named, let's see. Let me find it. Oh, goodness. Obviously, they named Mathroom. Yes. Obviously, Here they, we named, go. they cool named, I got it in front of me. They named Terrell Brown from Washington, Tiger Campbell, the point guard from UCLA, Tommy Hawkins from UCLA, Johnny Juzang from UCLA, Christian Coloco from Arizona, Benedict Mathurin from Arizona, Isaiah Mobley from USC, Drew Peterson from USC, Azulis Tubulis from Arizona, and Jabari Walker from Colorado. I mean, that's just absurd. There, there's uh, some. There's. Let, let's. All right, Mathurin's on it. Mathurin's on it. I. I don't know if he won the player of the year, but yeah, he did. He won the player of the year, and he absolutely deserves it. He's on it. I think Coloco should also be on it. Defensive player of the year was an incredibly important cog in that Arizona team. Really made them work. Gave them the rim protection they needed to play the defense they play and the finishing down low. I think those two guys are pretty much locks. I would agree with that. What about Isaiah Mobley? I mean... He's a great player, and he probably, he had great numbers. I just expected just a little bit more of Isaiah Mo. I expected a bigger step up in his play this season. I kind of saw the same player I saw last season, though. But is that is that a uh, all Pac twelve team? I mean, I thought Hami Hawkes. I don't know how many games he ended up playing. I know he was hurt for a while. I I've saw better performances out of Hami Hawkes this year. All right, we'll we'll throw Hami Hawkes on. Any thoughts on Colorado's Jabari Walker, who I loved watching him in person? At some point, your team's going to win. I mean, <laughs> and he was I important agree. in their in their big win over the team who won the conference title. So, I mean, that could be a reason to put him on. All right. We'll throw Jabari Walker on. Any thoughts on Terrell Brown from Washington? Good player. Not good enough to be on this team. Tiger Campbell. I don't think he should. He was one of the best five players this year. Choosing again, kind of like Mobley. I thought that there was going to be a bigger step up this year in his play from what we, you know, I thought he was going to build on that tournament run and really, I mean, be a first round pick. I don't think he's going to now. I don't if you think want, he's... look, if you want Kirk Reese on this team, just say the word. You know I want Kirk Creese on this. <laughs> was he even in the ten guys they no, named? No, he wasn't. Kirk Creese that's was, ridiculous. Was, wasn't one of the ten. Guys that's ridiculous. Because that whenever he played well this season, Arizona's the best team in the country. And uh, yeah, 
I, I think that's more of a product of just them trying to mix it up with certain guys. But then you put three UCLA people in, you put two you could have put you could have put six Arizona guys on this team, and yeah, I you really could have. That's makes right. sense. Yeah, you could put the five stars in Larson off the bench, and even you could have put Terry on there, and I couldn't argue with you. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know All I want right. Kirk Creasel on this team. All right, we'll finalize it. Kirk Creasel at that point guard, Christian Coloco down low, Benedict Mathurin on the wing. I'll throw Jabari Walker in there, and then Hami Hakez capping it off. So that's that's the real five, all Pac-12. Moving on to a conference that wasn't as bad, but still slipped up, the All-Atlantic All Atlantic 10 first team. We have Luka Brajavaklic from Davidson, Hung Jun Lee from Davidson, Vince Williams from BCU, Josh Adoro from George Mason, Jalen Attaway from St. Bonaventure, and lastly, my guy, Yuri Collins from St. Louis. Right off the bat, Yuri Collins and Hung Jun Lee have to be on the on the team. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about uh, Luka Brajkovic, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I think it's Brajkovic. So I'm going to say the same thing about him. Um, I I like Adoro and Vance Williams more over than Attaway, but any thoughts here? I think your three locks are on the money. Uh, Hyung Jung Lee had an incredible year. I was kind of I was kind of surprised that they didn't include Foster Lawyer, his backcourt uh, teammate on the list. I think he probably just missed too many games with injuries this year. Uh, but Yuri Collins has to be on it. Best point guard in the league by far, I think. So I think your locks are, are pretty on the money. Yeah. And, and you have to include uh, Luca, who is the Atlantic 10 player of the year, obviously. Yep. But more out of the next three, Adoro, Attaway, and Vince Williams, what, what two would you take? Um. Well, do we have a Sunni? We don't. I, I, I was would have put Asuni on the best. Asuni was in my uh, my preseason. He uh, was the best team. defensive player in the league. I mean, I think that deserves some deserves some recognition. I would yeah. put Asuni Asuni on mine. All right, Asuni um, and who's the last one? Adoro or Vince Williams? To me, is really who it's between. Yeah, I give it to Vince Williams. I think they both played really well this year. Just. Vince Williams teams one more. Agreed. Well, on to the conference we love more than anything, but uh, they also struggle with math. Nine players on the all SEC first team. We have JD Note, Jalen the Flopper, Williams, Walker Kessler, Jabari Smith, Oscar Schwebue, Tari Eason, Iverson Molinar from Mississippi State, Santiago Bescovi, and Scotty Pippen Jr. Uh, right off the bat, I, I'm going to just stay with this one. I'm not even going to focus on positions. I'm going to go Tari and Oscar Shweebwe, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, and give me JD Note to close it off. That was actually giving my exact five. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just going with the uh, the best five. Like, yeah, I, if I you made it. if you made me include two guards and three big men, I would leave Tari off and probably put Kennedy Chandler on. I think that I can't believe Kennedy Chandler was one of the nine. I I, I get it. Like, like this was a classic case of just like them not trying to like put too much freshman on, but like Kennedy Chandler's kind of been better than Vescovy, and I love Vescovy. Well, Kennedy but. Chandler has taken them to another level. I think. 
I think yeah. that Vescovy is important in their base offense, probably the most important guy and important in distributing the basketball. But Kenny Chandler's just raw athleticism and decision-making off the bounce and ability to get to the rim, I really think takes the team to another level. 100% agree. Well, that's that's really all I, all I have for tonight. Ben, do you have anything before we hit the road? No, except if you're a fan of college basketball, you have to be watching college basketball tomorrow. Any team that has not completed their conference tournament or is worth the damn is playing basketball tomorrow. I mean, every single conference you care about, everybody. I and mean, it starts off with a bang. You start off 11 a.m., you get Syracuse and Duke. Nobody Bayheim, which is which is a disappointment yeah, over, over this ridiculous of, suspension they gave bang. him. But still, Syracuse played incredible today. They shot the lights out. They shot the lights out. If they can do a little bit of that against Duke, they should give him a run. And then also at 11, you get Butler and Providence. And at 1130, you get TCU and Texas. And I think that's going to be a great game. You know, Texas kind of blew them out both times they played them. But if this is the time where TCU uh, – TCU's playing much better at this point of the season. They've they've got it rolling into this conference tournament, playing really well against some of the bigger teams like Baylor and Kansas. So if they can keep that going in this Texas game, I think it'll be ultra competitive. Couldn't agree more. There, there's oh. some other great games too. I think Villanova should kind of be on upset alert against the St. John's team who played They've been playing just incredible offense this last month. I mean, once Posh Alexander came back into the lineup, he missed two or three weeks there at the end of January into February. You know, they're kind of struggling. They didn't really have all their their guns, but once once that uh once he's returned to the lineup, man, ninety two points tonight. They've been readily in the seventies and in the eighties almost every single game. So, you know, they played Villanova really hard. Uh, Whenever they played him last, and it's it's basically a home, it's basically a home game for St. John's, right? Yeah, it's it's right there. Also, if you remember, I think this is the first uh, Big East tournament since the St. What is what is it? A eagle of the bird, the St. John's mascot. Remember when he was caught? just stranded there that famous pick. Yeah, yeah. I think it's (laughs) I think it's it's his return as well. So. He's getting PTSD. This St. John's team's going to play through it. And you know what? When St. John's goes on this miracle run to win the Big East, remember where you heard it here first. Yeah. You also got Utah State, Colorado State, an interesting game. Iowa State, Texas Tech, Virginia, North Carolina. So just an incredible amount of basketball tomorrow. And LSU plays should be around 1 o'clock against Missouri. Yeah, that LSU game, they need to just take care of business and, and really get it over with. Start start piling up some wins. Maybe move yourself into a five seed. I, I'd, I'd like them to, you know. I'm, I'm very excited about the prospect of playing Arkansas on a neutral court. I, there's, I there's some stats out there that, that compare the fouls called for and against Arkansas on their home court compared to all the other games they played this year, and they're awfully convincing. Startling differences, folks. Startling differences. Well, 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Line of College Basketball Podcast. You know where to find us at On the Line NCA on Twitter at otlsports.net for some blogs. We're going to be posting some blogs shortly, especially identifying picks as well as March Madness teams to to maybe place a healthy future wager on. So yeah, you got to tune in for next week too. Next week is going to be a big week. We're going to have a lot of content coming out. I'll be traveling down to Fort Worth for the first and second round games next Thursday and Saturday. So there'll be some content coming out of that. So it's going to be a big week, but I hear it online. Yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, one of us is going to be going to the final four. I don't know. I guess you just have to, you'll have to wait and see. As always, thank you and appreciate the support. Like, subscribe, five stars, all that great stuff. Until we meet again, see you.